This family. This family. This family. This family called the Heights Baptist has been around for a hundred years. One hundred years. Hundred years. For one hundred years. For a hundred years. What an opportunity to look back and understand why we are where we are. More importantly, to look forward to where God would have us be. When we celebrate the Heights Baptist, we are celebrating God and what he has given to us. In honor of this milestone, we have planned six weeks for the celebration. Each week will focus on a specific core value. Life shaped by the word. Sunday fuels the lifestyle. Where friends become family. We live to tell. Everyone plays a part. And the next generation matters now. As we look back at those values, we hope that they will serve to launch us into the next 100 years. Throughout the celebration, we'll hear from some special people. One Sunday, we'll have our former senior pastor, Terry Harper, and longtime worship pastor, Scott Perkins. What an awesome way to celebrate. Jesus loved the church. He called it his bride. We can't love the church too much and we believe this celebration will give us cause to realize afresh how much we have to love and appreciate. Join us in praying about how God wants to use this celebration throughout our church and in each one of us. Man, I am so excited that we are actually celebrating a hundred years. It's hard to believe that we've been doing this thing for that long. And what is this thing? Man, it's, it's about being a family. It's about sharing life together. It's about experiencing God and His power and, and everything He's doing. And so, hey, we're, we're going to start this 100-year celebration on February 2nd. And we're going to be concentrating on our core value where friends become family. Because, man, life is better connected. And as a part of that, we want to ask you to do a couple things. First thing is, it's the theme. We want you to join the team. If you've been coming here and uh, being a part of our church for a while and you've never joined our church, we want to ask you to affirm what God is doing in your life already. And we want you to go ahead and step forward and become a part of the team. If you're already a part of the team and you're here, man, we want you to invite a friend. Why? Well, because we're sharing the greatest story that's ever been told. It's a story of redemption. It's a story of, of, of coming back into the right kind of fellowship with God. And we're going to be presenting the gospel that morning. We'll give people the opportunity to step forward and accept Christ right there. We're going to ask them also to, to step forward to be baptized on that morning. We're going to see true life change that day. It's going to be a real celebration. And we're going to have a lot of fun while we're doing it because, man, that's what it is about family. We know how to have fun together. So we're going to have some giveaways. And, man, because it is February 2nd and that is Super Bowl Sunday, we want to say, hey, support your favorite team. Wear your own shirt of what your favorite team is, you know. If it doesn't have to be the Super Bowl teams. It can be college or pro or whatever it may be. Or maybe if you're not even a sports fan but you want to be a part of it, hey, go ahead and wear your team shirt from the church. Hey, life is better connected, right? You can wear that shirt too. Why? Because we're just kind of joining together in the spirit of things, and we want to have a lot of fun doing it. And so as we move forward towards the start of this celebration, we want to tell you that it really is about life being better connected. And if we believe that, then we can take Randy's challenge. And that challenge at the beginning of the year was be one, who leads one? And now we're saying, we're starting off, we're friends with film family. We're asking you to invite somebody. Let me ask you this question. Who's your one? So, uh... You know, I, I don't know how much authority or what authority I have in this place, but I, I can tell you this. 
I'm going to use all of it tomorrow to make sure Ronnie never makes another video in this church wearing that Alabama hoodie uh, 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 again. I, I'll, I'll, see, I'll, I'll see what I can do to make... Make that happen. <laughs> so we, uh, boy, we really are excited about the uh, the week ahead, the six weeks ahead, our our hundred year anniversary. Man, how exciting to be not only be at a hundred years, but actually still have like a future. We're really excited about uh, in front of us. So excited to be kicking all that off next week. We've been talking a lot. You just heard it in the video there about, uh, and, and I've been asked of the, the date, what date? February 9th is the date scheduled, two Sundays from now, that uh, Terry Harper, uh, former pastor, Scott Perkins, former worship pastor, are going to be here. That's the good news. There's some bad news. Terry is now not going to be able to join us on that day. We asked him, I asked him, talked to him about eight months ago, and we got that on the calendar. But Terry's, if you know him, you know he's, he's been having some health struggles and some different issues, and there's nothing really super serious going on at this moment. He just doesn't want to travel uh, and, and doesn't feel like he can take that on right now. So that, I'll be honest with you, that's a little bit of a letdown to me, but he is going to be with us that day. We're, we're going to hear from him. We're going to see him uh, on video. We won't be able to shake his hand afterward, but uh, Terry is... Uh, is a great figure in the in the life of this church. And uh, I, I told him, I said, hey, listen, I know a lot of people here know you, but I want the people who don't know you to have a chance to get to hear from you. So uh, we, we worked it out. We're going to be doing something this week so that he can be a part of that on on February 9th. But it, some exciting weeks in front of us, and uh, what, what a way to be able to start that off. You guys, with the Super Bowl this week, y'all excited about that? Oh, okay. You know, hey, hey, partly I understand. Listen, I'm a little conflicted. I'm a a, a lifelong Denver Bronco fan. That means there's, yeah, a couple of us out there. That means there's never been a Sunday that I've wanted to see the Kansas City Chiefs win. Or the Raiders or the Chargers. I don't ever want to see those teams win. But I'll be honest with you, I'm kind of, I think I'm pulling for the Chiefs next week. I mean, it's like, yeah, I mean, it's been 50 years since they had a chance. So uh, I, I think I'm pulling for Kansas City next week. I can kind of tell by everybody's response. We're kind of evenly divided between those who care and those who could care less about the game next week. But as a football fan, I would say to those of you that could care less, you know to care less Okay, you have to know enough about what's going on to, in all your little uppiness, say that you could care less about the game. <laughs> you know, hey, that, that's the Super Bowl. I, I really believe that, and I'm talking specifically about the area of sports and entertainment, there's very little in our culture that has, has risen to the place of the, of the Super Bowl. I, I think, I think March Madness is not far behind that, but there's very little that almost has the feel that everybody's doing this. Everybody knows something about it. Everybody's engaged with it in America. And so that makes it pretty exciting, and it makes it something we want to use. We want to capitalize on that next weekend. And actually, we're starting something we're going to be doing all year long, coming out of January and introducing this theme of Be One Who Leads One. The first Sunday of every month, we're calling Lead One. Sunday, a, a Sunday where we all together, because we actually want to do this every day. 
We, we actually want to be doing this every Sunday, but the first Sunday of the month, we're going to all together be working and thinking about, hey, who, who's one I can lead to worship or to connect and, and get involved in the body of Christ here at the Heights. And man, we're going to have a, a lot of fun with that as, as, as Ronnie and his silly hoodie was just saying, we're going to, we're, we're going to be wearing our, I will be in my Broncos jersey. So you, again, like you said, you don't have to be a, a, a Super Bowl team, but uh, we're going to be wearing jerseys next week, having a lot of fun with that. But in all that fun, sharing the gospel, calling people to, to come to life in Christ, to join the team through, through baptism. And, and folks, we've done this a couple of times. It's going to be an exciting Sunday. Hey, maybe, maybe somebody that you're going to bring is going to be that one who's going to come down this aisle and straight into the waters of baptism. I mean, that is going to happen for some of us, and it, and it begins with a simple invitation. Folks, this going and getting, this is what we do. And you know, you take that phrase, this is what we do. That almost sounds like this is the one thing we do. This is the only thing we do. Well, I mean, obviously there's a lot of things we do. But you know, a lot of times we get confused with kind of the order of things. We can be doing a lot of things that actually serve one or two or three things. Take since we're talking about football, I'm glad y'all brought it up. You think about a football player. A football player lifts weights. Football player runs, studies film, studies the game, practices. But a football player, I doubt you're ever going to hear describe himself as, I'm a weightlifter. I, I'm, a, I'm a runner. No, they're, they're a football player. They play the game. They do all those other very important things to help them do what defines them, to help them play the game. You know, there's a real similarity to the Christian life. There's a lot of things we do that serve and help us to do these things that we do. I, You know, what, if you're making a list, what are the most significant two, three, four things that you say that is the Christian life? I, I think whatever list we put together, no matter how short the list, one of those things is we reach people. We go and get people. That's what we do. Don't take my word for it. Let's hear Jesus say it. Would you turn with me this morning to Matthew chapter 4? Matthew chapter 4. It's about 75% of the way through your Bible. Uh, Zechariah and Malachi to the left, Mark and Luke to the right, if you're kind of thumbing through there. Matthew chapter 4, just looking at two verses, verse 18 and 19. Matthew chapter 4. Beginning in verse 18, it says, While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he, the, the he here is Jesus, by, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me. Gosh, what a huge, big invitation. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. I, I think that follow me is so big that we don't always ca catch what comes next because we actually have a stated result of following Jesus. We, we have a desired result from Jesus, of Andrew, of Peter, of you and me. 
Here's the desired, when you follow me, here's what's going to happen. When you follow me, here's going to be the result. You're going you're gonna to fish for people. And whenever we come to Christ, young, middle, old, for the rest of our days, we're going to be reaching people. Now, back to the list. You know, when you think about the, the things you're going to be doing in the Christian life, man, I'm going, I'm going to read my Bible, I'm going to pray, I'm, I'm going to go to church. But you know, those are all things that help me to effectively reach people. If I'm leading somebody, where am I going to lead them to? I'm, I'm going to lead them to the scriptures. I'm, go, I'm going to lead them to prayer. I'm going to lead them to church. Well, I have to be in those places if I'm going to lead somebody to those places. Maybe another way to, uh, to think about this, okay, is the next best thing that can happen to us after we come to Christ you, you, you come to Christ at four, at, at 24, at 74, that moment we say, yes, Jesus, I will follow you. And gosh, what an invitation. Now we enter a relationship with him where we receive God's love, God's forgiveness. We receive eternal life. I have now begun this journey. But the next best thing that can happen is that we enter heaven. We, we believe that, right? So heaven is this place where we go, and Jesus apparently all are not familiar with it. Yeah, that, that, that's the next best thing that happens. You know, I think if we, if we stop and think, and y'all had to stop and think a little bit longer, um, we do know that, and we do believe that, but I don't know that we really think about it much or live like it. Well, because for one, there's this little event that happens right before we go to heaven. We die. And most of us are not thinking, that's the next best thing that happens to me. It, it is. The next most beautiful thing you will ever, ever, ever see after coming to Christ. The, the next most important thing that will happen. The next most awesome and powerful thing that will happen. The next most fulfilling thing that will ever happen in your life is when you enter heaven. And that, that's, that's it. So why does God leave us here? I mean, if, if, if that actually is the thing we've been saved for, that's the next, then, then why does he leave us here to deal with mean people? Why, why does he leave us here to get cancer? To, to, to go through fear, to go through rejection, to go through hunger. I mean, what, 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 it, listen, if that's out there, that's real, that's what I've been saved for, then, then why? Why not just take us now? Why, why do we stay here for, well, you know, stop and consider, folks. When I enter, and I'm, we're fishermen, right? We're using this illustration of Jesus. When I enter the sea of cancer, or, or I enter a sea of fear, guess what I find there? A sea of people going through the same thing. And now I'm there. I, I'm the one going through something I'd prefer not to go through, but I carry hope. I carry the gospel. I, I mean, folks, do we consider that maybe the awful things we experience in this world put us in a place to do the very thing God has left us here to do, and that is reach people with hope, reach people with the gospel. And do you know what? They'll listen to us. They'll listen because they know we know where they are. We know how they feel. We know what they're going through because they see us going through it with them. I mean, 
Folks, this isn't just like a, a neat idea I came up with. This is actually what the scripture communicates about what we go through in this world. Think of it this way. After what I've just said, consider how Paul says this. Therefore, I endure everything. For the sake of the elect, I'll endure jail, I'll endure sickness, I'll endure enemies, I'll endure being made fun of, I'll endure everything that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with with glory. I'll just shorten that sentence, make it a little bit simpler. I I, I will endure anything so that somebody can get the gospel. You know, if that doesn't mess you up a little bit, then you're not listening. If that doesn't mess you up a little bit, then you you don't understand what's just been said. I will endure anything this world has to throw at me if it gives me a chance to share the gospel. You know, he says that so dogmatically. And it makes me think, can I say that dogmatically? And and honestly, folks, it leaves me not with a dogmatic statement. It it leaves me more like with an embarrassing question. Would I endure anything for the gospel? Would I endure my schedule being interrupted? Would I endure an awkward moment? Because, folks, most of us... Have had an opportunity. Hey, I could say something about Jesus right here. Hey, I could speak to something right. And, but it feels kind of weird and awkward. And so we don't. So see, clearly, my awkwardness is bigger to me. It is more important to me than the gospel. You know, would I endure not getting to be happy in this moment? Would, would I endure maybe the group or, or these people thinking I'm a weirdo because I said some? No, no I wouldn't. Would I endure anything for the sake of the gospel? It's why we've been left here. Literally every experience we walk through is an experience, and it doesn't have to be a bad one. It's an experience that I now can identify with somebody else, talk with somebody else, and look for those doors and those opportunities for the gospel. You know, to think of this, this is why we've been left here. Hear how Paul says the exact same thing as Jesus, but he leaves the whole fishing thing out. Look what Paul says in 2 Timothy 2.2. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses. Now, he's talking to Timothy right here, but let's pretend he's not. Let's pretend Paul is standing right here next to me. And he's speaking to me and he says, hey, Randy, what I reached you for, what I taught you, what I gave to you, what I handed you in the presence of a whole lot of people, you now are to entrust to others. Okay, I I got something. I was reached for something. Now I possess it. Now I'm to give it to others. But notice that as I give it to others, I'm to actually be having a mindset, not just how if I give it away, but then how I motivate, encourage, help them reach others. There's like four evolutions here. And it's not even a complete sentence that I put up there. I mean, folks, this is, this is our life. We receive it and then we give and then we give and then we give. We're reaching people who are going to reach people who, who are going to reach people. This is the Christian life. 
You know, there's people maybe in this room right now watching online who would say, you know, I, I tried the Christian life and it didn't work for me. I, I, I did that, but it, it, it didn't solve my loneliness. It didn't solve my marriage. It didn't solve my finances. I, I, I just, I don't know what, what, it, what it did for me. But when I look at what Jesus is calling as, hey, here's the product of you following me. It, it makes me wonder, have we, have people actually tried the Christian life? You, you realize r- reading your Bible is not trying the Christian life. That's an aid to exploring, understanding, discovering. But, but reading your Bible is not living the Christian life. Have people tried the Christian life? I feel, no, a lot of people have never really tried the Christian life because Jesus is describing here. We haven't tried that. So guess what? The Christian life hasn't failed you. Following Christ has not failed you. We've stopped short of just doing things that kind of explore and help me see and help me look, but we're we're not really living. We're not really exercising what the Christian life is. This going and getting. You know, the first Sunday of this series was be one who leads one to worship. And you remember we said that day, that doesn't just mean lead somebody to a worship service. It more than likely is going to include something like that. But we said to worship is to bring somebody to the place where they consider the worthiness of Christ. Is, is he worthy of my worship? Is he worthy of, of me following? We're, we're working, we're encouraging somebody to do that. And you might wonder, and today we're talking about reaching people. Is this the same thing, just two different words? No, no, it's actually two different things. In the first one, be one who leads one to worship, there's the mindset, there's a focus on a specific person, a particular person who, who does not know Christ, who does not follow Christ, and I'm praying, working, encouraging to bring them to that place that they would do that. But be one who leads one to reach is more than an event, it's more than a person, it's a whole way of life. It's a, it's a way of looking at everybody, not, not just an unbeliever, even looking at believers, I mean, it's not just a mindset of what I give to somebody in the gospel, but then the further responsibility to encourage, to enable, to help them reach others also. It's reaching people to reach people to reach people. This is our game. This is our Super Bowl. This is what we do. We may do it in a school. We may do it at a in a workplace, in a neighborhood, we may do this as a rich person, as a poor person, as a healthy person, as an unhealthy person, but this is what we do. Everything else is just the environment that we're going to do that in. Now, that, that would lead many of us, maybe close to all of us, to say, well, how? I'm not sure what I would do. I'm not sure how, how I would answer certain questions or what I would do. And, and this would be the place we start to wrap the message up. And I'd say, hey, when you go out there today, there's, go, to, go to this desk and we're offering this class. And you should sign up for that. And, and you'll be motivated to, to do that. And you know what? We are going to do that. I've resisted doing it in January. We are going to do it in February. We're going to be introducing some ways that you and I get better and better. As anybody I know that is involved in reaching people for Christ or reaching people who are going to reach people and are going to reach people wants to learn, wants to grow and grow. But I don't want to... I don't want to wrongly communicate the message that until you've been to a class, you can't do this. 
Until you learn some things, until you're ready to win debates, you can't do this. Because Jesus never says anything like that. As a matter of fact, it's kind of shocking how quickly the people he calls to do this get moving. How quickly they get out there and you can't help but go, what questions can they possibly answer? What debate can they possibly win? Hey folks, God hasn't called you to win debates He hasn't called you to argue. He hasn't called you to beat people, defeat people. He's called you to love people and say, hey, come see. Over and over, just come and and see. It's it's an invitation that we give in our life. We're we're to be people who are leading people. that's That's why he's left us here. Other than that, let's just get on to heaven. But that's why he's left you here. I want to... uh, I, I want to show you something, and, and it's about our church, because I, I think my ability to be one who leads one, the greatest resource I have in doing that is going to be the church, the, the, the church I'm a part of. So I, I want to show you something about our church. I hope this is a real aha moment, and you think, hey, that was kind of cool. It may just be a lead balloon. I don't know. We'll find out. Okay? But uh, let, me, let me start with our vision. Okay, you, a lot of you've heard me talk about, you've heard me repeat our vision, the, the vision, the target that we're going after here at the Heights is that in the next 10 years, the Heights Baptist will be a church that the 804 cannot imagine living without. And we're going to do that by expanding to five campuses, by extending the reach of love 804, so that, now hold on to those two words right there, so that. Whenever you see those two words in a sentence, that means what follows is the purpose of everything that's just been said. Do you know what that means? It means our purpose is not to be a church the 804 cannot imagine being without. That's not our purpose. Our purpose is to say, hey, the the Heights Baptist is the best church in the area. Yay, we won. No, that's not our purpose. Our purpose is not expanding to campuses. Our purpose is not how many good things are we out there doing through Love 804 events. Those things are not our purpose. Those things aid us in reaching our purpose. You say, well, what is our purpose? So that we can share the word with every person out there. We, we want to create the opportunity. And that vision kind of rose up out of just looking at the world that you and I live in, the, the American culture that we live in. And they're not really excited about the phrase the Bible says, are they? They're not very excited about the church. As a matter of fact, I, I fear that we live more and more in a place at best is apathetic to our gathering this morning. At worst is antagonistic to our gathering this morning. And and, and so that vision has in mind, hey, how do we go out there and win the opportunity? You know, it dawned on me, that's not unique to America or 2020. That's always been the challenge of the church. Do you realize there's not one verse in the Bible where God tells the world to go to church? They're not going to be held accountable for not being here this morning. Nowhere does God tell the world, the unbeliever, you should have been in church this morning. Not one single verse. Rather, what he tells the church, you go get them. He doesn't tell them to come here. He tells you and me to go get them. He says it like by words like, be fishers of men. It's always been our challenge. And guess what? They don't owe you an audience. 
They don't owe you time to listen to what you think. So what is our target? What is our vision all about? It's how we win. How we win. Hey, I get it. You don't like us. You think we're responsible for all these things. Okay, well, let me win by being out there and being a force for good. That's what Love 804 events are all about, right? We're going to go out there and we're going to win the opportunity to be able to share our lives You know, the idea is you and I love God's word. We shape our lives around God's word and our lives make God's word attractive. Our lives lead people to ask, hey, I want to know more about that. So that's our target. That's our vision. That's where we're trying to go in these next 10 years. And actually, we're already three years in. So it's like seven years now that that, that we're seeking to hit that target. Now, that makes a nice picture up on the wall. But if you take a picture and put it up on the wall, it's just going to roll in and fall down. No, I, 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 we got to put the picture in a frame. I probably would not think that much about frames myself, but I've watched my wife spend more time on a frame than the picture itself. The, the, the frame actually is kind of important. Now, now, some of that is kind of like what I just implied. It's decorative. Hey, the right frame draws your eyes, draws your attention to the picture that you want everybody to see. But it's, it's more than just drawing our eyes. It also provides structure. It also holds it up there on the wall so that every one of us can see it. So we've got a vision that I repeat up here a lot. You've heard a lot. But we also have a vision frame. We, we, we sometimes around here refer to it as our napkin sketch. And I'm going to throw up here a whole picture. You may not be able to see every detail, especially if you can't see. Um, but that, it, it's not up there for you to go through by fine detail today. It's just to be able to glance at it. And see, we call this also our napkin sketch uh, because my dream, gosh, you know, what do pastors dream about? Well, I'm glad you asked. My, my dream is, is that all 4,000 of us, that's about, that's about how many people on some level, on some regularity attend our church, that all 4,000 of us could sit down at lunch somewhere and scratch this out on a napkin for somebody. You, you could, in five minutes, scratch out the entirety of what the Heights Baptist is all about with this right here. So what is our frame? We're, 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 we're aiming toward a target. We're trying to hit a target. And this answers questions that we all ask. What, how, why, when. Now, we did do a little bit different with the when, W-I-N. But the what. What are we doing What are we doing here today? What are we doing on this journey to hit this target? Man, we're trying to build relationships that connect all people, all people everywhere, all people in here, all people out there to God-sized life and love. That's what we're doing. That's our mission. We also think much about why we do what we do. And you'll see there six core values. And that's kind of cool. And it's easy to say that's why we do what we do. Do you know it's actually kind of hard It's kind of hard to stay tied to your values. It's real easy to kind of veer off and and all of a sudden, hey, we're doing something that doesn't have anything to do with our core values, but it it seemed kind of fun. It seemed kind of cool and it worked. And we can do good things, but they'll actually move us away from the whys. So we try to keep those six whys, our, our core values in front of us and make sure does every event, every activity support these core values. And then maybe somebody were to ask you, okay, well, if I came to your church, what are y'all trying to do to me? Let's go. Okay. So let's say I'm there for a year. What am I going to be doing? Oh, I'm glad you asked. You're going to be, you're going to be measuring your own life by those seven questions. 
That, that, would, that would be what we would pray is the product uh, of you being here, that you're asking questions like, how am I growing? How am I worshiping? Where am I investing? Where am I connecting? Where am I serving? Who are you reaching? Who are you coaching? Hey, do some of these words start to sound familiar? They should. It's like what we've been talking about all month, right? How about that last one? Who are you coaching? Would that be similar to be one who leads one? You, you see, if, the, if these things are where we're trying to take people, then the, then the messages have to support that. The, the messages have to build that into our lives. Where did be one who leads one come from? It came from that right there. That, that's what we're trying to produce, that you're looking at everybody in your life as a potential, as an opportunity to lead, to encourage, to help. Now, what we have here at the, at the bottom, that's our strategy. And you should see that's the four words that we have used this whole month when you lead somebody. Now, so what is the what is that down there? Okay, if somebody calls me uh, from yeah, Karen and I lived twelve years in South Carolina. We both grew up in in Texas. So let's say a friend calls me from South Carolina or Texas and says, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna be in Richmond, Virginia. We'd like to stay with you a couple of days. We've never never been there. Want to see it? Want to experience it? Well, I'm I'm gonna hang up and and Karen and I are gonna start, we're gonna start talking. We're gonna make a list. Hey, where do we want to take them? What what restaurant? What what site? What do we want to be sure they see? Of course, we'll bring them to the heights, right? You know, we're going to have this list. Hey, we want our friends to be able to leave here in three or four days and be able to say, I, I know Richmond, Virginia. I've experienced Richmond, Virginia. And we're going to get in mind the places we should take them. Okay, well, if you're trying to lead somebody to Christ... And, and if they're going to see Christ, you do have to say they have to see the body of Christ. That's you and me. That's a scary responsibility. <laughs> that, that people looking at you and me are supposed to go, oh, that's what Jesus looks like. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring them here to the heights because the church is my great resource in doing that. Well, where do I take them when I get here? Well, that's what those four words are about. I, I, I'm going to take them to worship. I'm going to take them to connect. I'm going to take them to reach. I'm going to take them to serve. And of course, we've said all month long, if I'm going to take people to those places, I've got to be there, right? I, I, I've got to be worshiping, connecting, reaching, serving so that I can lead people to those places. Now, this diagram here, what are we doing with that? Okay, the reason the word worship and connect, those are bigger circles, is not because they're more important circles. They're big because that's where we're at our biggest. I mean, those are the big front doors into this place, isn't it? I mean, you just wander in here and here, here you are. You're a part of it. You're a part of worshiping. You're a part of connecting, whether somebody led you here or not. They're the two that take the least amount of effort, which is why they kind of have the biggest group all at one time. I mean, I'm not saying it takes no effort to be here this morning. Of course it takes effort to be here. But kind of comparatively to the other things, I mean, I just got to wake up and drive. And, and here I am, and an hour later, I've, I've done that, okay? So these are the, the big places. They're the easier places. They're the draw our attention first, because like that's what a front door does, okay? I'm going to lead somebody to worship. I'm going to lead somebody to connect. Think about those two words this way. I'm going to lead somebody to consider Christ. I'm going to lead somebody to become a part of the body of Christ, now, those two words are in the center. Okay, here we are all gathered, and then we go back out, and we go to two places in the Christian life. 
both places, to reach and to serve. Think about just two sentences. I mean, gosh, there's a lot of sentences in this book, aren't there? Think about two sentences we've heard out of the mouth of Christ the last two weeks. I didn't come into this room to be served, but to serve. And he didn't say that just teaching them something about himself. He was saying that, and that's what you're to be about. That, that's what's to define you. You enter the room. You enter the relationship. You enter the place to serve. And, of course, what we heard him say today, hey, if you follow me, there's the product. You're going to be reaching people. So, so we gather in here in this big place, in these big circles, to then go back out and live the Christian life. What is the Christian life? It is serving and it is reaching. And then we go to heaven. Amen? Be one who leads one. Is, is the church your greatest resource for doing what God's called you to do? Man, if it's not, you need to find another church. You, you desperately need a church that is going to come alongside you and help you do this. And another church may use different words. They may have some different ideas. I mean, we're all drawing from the same resource, right? Uh, you know, but you have to look and say, hey, can, is that, can that church help me? And if they can't, you need to find a, another church. And that's not, if you don't like it, you can go somewhere else. No, we're, we're all different personalities, We all have different gifts and abilities. We're looking at how my personality connects with this body's personality and what the gifts and abilities are, what the vision, what the strategy is. Hey, that's me. I can see myself in that. I can do that. Then then you belong here. Jump in and be one who leads one. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I I pray that, that we would help each other, support each other, encourage each other, be there for each other, pray for one another to be an army of people who are leading others, ministering to others, serving, reaching others. God, may we see this is the, the activity that we've been left here for. And oh, we need to walk in close communion with you through prayer and through the Bible and through worship and, and church so that we can have a strong and effective life as we go out there to reach and to serve. God, help, help us to realize if we're not, if we're not reaching, we're not following you. If, if we're not reaching, we're not being the church. Lord, I pray when you look at us as an individual, when you look at us gathered and together, you see exactly what you called us to be. And, and, and Jesus, we need your help. We need your help in that. We do get caught running around after a lot of other things. Things will even let interrupt or keep us from giving the gospel to somebody. We ask your forgiveness and we ask for your help to get back out there. Being and doing what you've called us to be and do. A follower of yours that is reaching and serving in this world. We pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.